0: Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decree, your decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the lord our god is near us whenever we pray to him and what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws i am setting before you today
1: good morning everybody morning how are we this morning I have a a prop. This is my most fancy Bible that I own. This is the Complete Jewish Study Bible. And the reason I have this out today is... I don't need that up just yet. You can hide that off the screen. The reason I have this out is because today we're looking at Bible reading. So in our growth series, I broke the growth calendar into four components. And the first component is is preparing the soil. In order to prepare the soil... You prepare the soil, if you're gardening, in order to grow healthy plants. Now, let's put that into a spiritual context. If you want to grow spiritually, your soil, your heart needs to be fertile. It needs to be ready. The first place that starts, God's Word. Now, it's a pretty intense passage that was read out there this morning from Murray talks about God destroying the nations for for not listening to him and all this and the other. But there's something that's quite unique there. If you turn down here to verse 7, it says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today. That was an amazing privilege for the Israelites to have. Now, if you're like me and you like to read humour, there's a website called The Babylon Bee. Has anyone actually read it? I know Murray has read it. Yes, I see some hands up. And the Babylon Bee, it makes fun of Christians in a nice, light-hearted manner. And there's one article, so it presents itself as this news article service, and there's one article that says man plans to read the entire Bible in his lifetime by looking at the verse of the day. Now, I have to admit, the Bible is a very complex book. Hands up if you've started January 1st and you go, I'm going to read the Bible through in one year. Yes? We've all done that. And then you get to, say, Genesis 4 and 5, and you're like, ooh, it's genealogy. <laughs> okay. And then you sort of can get through that. That's only a little bit. And then say you get to Exodus, and you read the exciting part of the Passover and the Exodus and the Red Sea, and you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is okay. I can handle this. And then you get to the construction of the tabernacle, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, it's a bit like trying to wade through molasses, isn't it? A bit. Even I struggle with that. But what's fascinating is that the Apostle Paul, in reflecting on Scripture, he says this is a really famous passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when Paul wrote that, he wasn't thinking about the New Testament Jesus. He was talking about the old. In fact, he's probably reflecting upon Torah. Those very commandments that we get stuck in and bored with and just sort of skip over. That's the part for the Jewish people they longed for. When, when Moses talks about what other nation is so great to have their gods near them, in the ancient world there was this, you just didn't know the gods. There's this, you can Google it, there's this prayer by a man, it's a, probably a Mesopotamian man, writing to basically the gods, just saying, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with you. I don't know how I'm meant to worship you. I don't know what you like. I don't know what you don't like. In fact, all I know is you're probably cranky with me. You probably hate me, and I'm probably going to die at your hand. For many of the ancient world, the gods were just up there, unknown. Where for the Israelites, they have been saved by Yahweh. Yahweh reveals his name to Moses in the burning bush. I am who I am. In the Old Testament, names weren't just names. They revealed character. Revealed this eternal nature about God. And every single one of those boring commandments that we go, oh, this is a struggle to get through. For the Israelites, that's everything for them. Because the more detail you have about your God, there's less guesswork. You're not guessing like, oh, maybe God doesn't or does like this. Maybe I should or shouldn't do this." The fact that Yahweh has given His law to His people, that's an immense blessing. And in Psalm chapter one, do we remember Psalm one from last week? "Blessed is the one who what?" See he do?? He's stomach- Day and night meditates day and night. And that law of the Lord, that is this law here that Moses wrote out in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, in Leviticus, and in Numbers. But for us as Christians today, we are not held by the law. The law itself, its we are under, not under law, we are under grace. But the Bible itself, it's a way for us to live life properly as God intended. Now, can we go to the slide of the futsal courts? Okay. So there's a futsal court. I think that's an appropriate metaphor, for considering we are currently on one right now. Now, if, see all the lines here? That, that's how futsal is meant to be, yes? Yes? You can only play a game of futsal if the court's like that. But if you go to the next slide, if you kind of change it up a bit, you can kind of see, yeah, it's 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 a little bit like futsal still, yeah? But some things have changed. And if you go to the next slide, and if you change it even more, and if you go to the next one, you start to see it's no longer futsal. And it's the same with God's Word. It's actually really interesting that Lucinda chose creation to begin with, with the kids' church. That was not intentional. When God created the world, what did he do to create it? He did what? He spoke, didn't he? Okay. Now, the uh, Old Testament is divided into three parts. So it's known as the Tanakh. If you listen to Murray and I's little podcast, we kind of unpack this. But the Old Testament in Hebrew is called the Tanakh. And it's divided into three parts. Torah, which is like law, instruction. Navim, which is prophets. And the Ketuvim, which is the writings. Now, each of the beginning of these three sections all start with word. God speaking. Genesis. God speaks. World is created. The beginning of the prophets. Joshua is told, hey, meditate on these scriptures day and night. The word of God. This is important. And there in the writings, the beginning of Psalms, it's about the man who walks, not with the ungodly, but meditates on God's law. God's word is foundational to everything. Because think about it, okay? When God separated night and day, sea and sky, land and sea, what happens when there's a breach between the sea and the land? What happens when the sea transgresses transgresses its boundaries? Flood. Yeah. What happens if night and day suddenly got intermixed and you know there was a there was an eternal night? What happened to the earth? Life had ceased to exist. Same token too. What happens if there was just eternal light all the time? We would be kind of stuffed, wouldn't we? What happens if the the sky collapsed on itself into the sea? And so God has set boundaries in place for life. If creation itself has these parameters in them, then as human beings, we have parameters too. And I that simple illustration with the futsal court, and I'll admit it, the Bible is complex. I've spent many years studying it, and there's still things I don't truly get. But the basic foundation of that this is how we're meant to live our lives. If you want to live the way that God intended, he's breathed out word. As the Apostle Paul says, he says, all scripture is God breathed. It's like God went and breathed this out for us. And as human beings, each and every one of us to take a breath, actually, we should all do it now. Everyone take a breath, go... That, that, that's a physiological act. We know that oxygen goes into the lungs and it uh, you know, pumps around our blood. That's also a very spiritual act, isn't it? In, in Hebrew, there's no differentiation between breath, wind, and spirit. It's all linked into one. The fact that we have breath, it's because God has granted it to us. And in a world which likes to change the boundary markers of the Bible and we see this time and time again in the 21st century as we start to question the validity of the Bible, as we start to question well perhaps we should change this thing, perhaps that passage doesn't really mean what it says it means, we start to go against God as creator. It's like transgressing the boundaries between the sea and the land, you know that chaos is going to happen. Things will begin to unravel. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, this is exactly what Moses is warning the Israelites about. He said, hey, if you don't follow this law, terrible things are going to happen. But if you do, this is the cool thing. say, so, so we just go back here to verse 5 on Deuteronomy 4. It says, See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Think about that sentence for a moment. It's a wise and understanding people. If you followed, imagine a society. Imagine a society that perfectly followed God's laws. People around are supposed to look and say, wow, they have lots of wisdom and understanding. And particularly where... The land of Israel was. It's like the centre of the known world at that time. All the other nations are passing through it to do trade. When they come past the Israelites and see them go, there is something unique about you. There's something about your God. There's something about your society. There's something about these laws that you follow, that make you wise and understanding. And they're meant to point the nations to worshipping the God Of Israel. But as we all know, the story of the Bible, you get to Joshua, things start okay, and then they track and explode. And obviously, that's where Jesus comes in, Jesus comes to rescue us and to save us. And it's interesting if we sort of jump to the New Testament. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15 If you love me, keep my Commands, John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Think, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the old covenant was obviously about sacrifice and ritual, and it's, it's a very complex to go into right now. But the new covenant is defined by this love for Jesus and love for one another, in particular, especially those who are our enemies. I, I find that deeply, deeply challenging, particularly John fourteen fifteen, simple sentence, if you love me, keep my commands. A simple question. How are you going to know his commands? You don't know. You have to read about it. And the Bible is unique, is that it uses narrative, it uses story to teach us how we're to follow Jesus' commands. And let's be honest, if you're not reading it properly, if you're not reading the Bible properly, how are you gonna know? Because I don't know about you, but I find my memory is getting worse. I know I'm not that old, but I feel like lack of sleep, maybe lots of kids. I just forget things constantly. I look at people and go, what's their name? Or, you know, someone will send me a reminder about, oh yeah, I forgot to do that. In my life, I need to be constantly reminded each and every day. And it's interesting that when Jesus called the disciples, he told them that we need to pick up our cross and follow him each and every day. It's interesting, it's like this idea that every every day it's a battle to keep our mind pure for him. Each day we have to make a conscious decision. And and the foundation that always must begin with the word of God. As Protestant evangelicals, perhaps our love of scripture, it's probably more maybe intellectual, maybe not so much is this deep passion and love in Psalm 119:97 it says oh how i love your law i meditate on it all day long so if you if you google what christians believe about the bible it's it says in google it says christians believe that the bible is the verbally inspired infallible inerrant word of god that's a very complex way of saying that we believe the bible has no error but even how we treat the scriptures it says a lot i won't do it here but how many times have we thrown our bibles on the floor how many of us kind of read the bible in the bathroom how many of us just sort of go oh yeah the bible's kind of there we just have on our phones or whatever for the jews what i just there's Particularly before the, the time where Jesus came, when they would meet in synagogue, they saw the scrolls. It's almost like, these are God's words. So we treat this with respect. The priest would come out, and the rabbi would come out, and they would, they'd kiss it and say, that this is the words of Yahweh. We have to treat this with respect we meant to love this because while we may not have that Sinai encounter where, where God comes down with lightning and thunder and Moses has the Ten Commandments, this is the closest we can get to that Sinai encounter. So treat God's Word with respect. When I was at college, I had a lecture I used to like to say, we don't we sit under the Bible, not above it. Is that This is what guides us. This is what shapes us in everything that we do. In Psalm 119, I'll read a little bit out again. It says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And verse 98 says, Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Now, when I think the word meditate, I often just think sort of um, that sort of Eastern way. But in, in, the, in biblical times, meditate was more murmuring out loud. You would actually speak Scripture. Scripture is not designed to be read by yourself quietly in your mind it's actually designed to be read out loud as a congregation and this may seem a bit odd to do as a baptist church i actually want everyone to stand up now and we're actually going to put back psalm one let me flick it to psalm one please i'm going to read out psalm one together whenever it comes up there on the screen This is what scripture, how it's meant to be read. It's meant to be read as this collective group together out loud with this opportunity to meditate. So I'll begin and then we'll read together. Psalm 1.
0: Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who mediates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction.
1: Amen. Yeah, You can sit down now. Thank you. That's just a little snapshot of what life in Jesus' day was like. Perhaps what the early church did, got up and read Scripture together out loud. Because Scripture is that's... The Words of God breathed upon us, and as a community that transforms, that changes us. Now, if someone came to you and said, Hey, I have the secret to living a wise, happy, and healthy life, most of us would grab onto that window and say, Oh, well, I don't know the secrets, of that. I want a secret of a happy life. The Bible itself, well, this is the secret to happiness, it's following God's commands. It's understanding his laws. It's understanding Jesus Christ who's been revealed to us, the Word made flesh. I standing here today. I, to say, there's times where reading the Bible, it is challenging. You can have all the best intentions and all the best plans and you sort of miss a day or two here. Maybe a day becomes a week. A week becomes two weeks and a month. And... I think we all have sort of experienced that in some way, form or another. Or let's be honest, this Bible's just really complex. How does the book of Judges help you deal with your marital problems? Reading about people being cut up and, and killed in all sorts of manner of gory ways. And so we start to fragment the Bible. We just pick the bits that just sort of are relevant to us. But I keep going back time and time again in the midst of the complexity of Scripture... What Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you struggle with the Bible, there are so many tools out there to help you understand it. I'll plug it time and time again, the Bible Project. It's just amazing. Simple little 10-minute videos that explain the books of the Bible, they've got podcasts. I'll even plug Murray and I, it's, what are we calling it? Banter. Our little banter where i oh, will actually going deeper what we spoke about today. There's lots of sermons out there, you version. But start off just reading. Just make a commitment to, I'm going to commit to one chapter, two chapters, or even commit to blocks. The Bible as a, as a book, it's not designed to be broken up into this chapter and this verse. It's meant to be read as themes. So just read particular themes. They might only be five verses. Or commit to just, I'm going to read the Gospel of Mark in one sitting. that will only take you an hour, an hour and a half. Just make a commitment. I want to be a wise person. That people can look and say, there's something unique about you something about you that is different make a commitment to that actually read scripture together that's what's great about small groups come together and read scripture and unpack it it's been a practice that faithful jews and christians have been doing for centuries getting together and just reading scripture and unpacking it something to I love doing go on to you version find a translation you like, and just listen to the Bible. There's something really just beautiful about that. The Bible was written to be read out loud, just listening to it. Just let God's word just soak into your mind, into your heart. And the other thing too is memorise scripture. Remember back in the old Sunday school days where you just memorise lots and lots of scripture? It's a practice that's really fallen out of favour. I think there's many of us today that go, oh yeah, I remember as a kid that I knew all these verses and now I've kind of forgotten them. Actually, make a commitment to memorise scripture. And there's actually a challenge I want to have for the next few weeks. So I need some brave people to actually get up and do this. Actually memorise Psalm 1. Make a commitment to do that across and up until the Easter time. Let's memorise Psalm 1. And people who are brave enough can get up here. And just say it. And you might say, oh, my mind's not as good as it used to be. Well, actually, it's like exercise. Any muscle, you exercise it, actually will begin to develop. And just having someone memorised, in fact, having Scripture memorised is just an amazing blessing to have. I remember one time, a bit of an odd story, but I got a call from a lady saying her house was demon-possessed. And... Anyway, I remember walking to her house and it was like, some people think this is weird. It was like I was actually physically attacked by some sort of spiritual being. I'll never forget it was this really oppressing, crushing situation. I remember I was like, someone got my head and was like trying to squeeze it in a vice. And so I just said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Straight away, It ended. Having scripture, you can call upon it when you need it, in times of distress, in times of frustration. That promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you, being able to draw that out in times of difficulty. Scripture is meant to be memorised. That's my challenge. And for the brave people, I had lollies out last year to give out to questions. Perhaps I can entice you all with some chocolate or something to memorize scripture. But I think the more, the better enticement is that this will help you grow in your spiritual maturity. And lastly, a practice I love to do is journaling. Just write down. Find a verse that you like and actually write it down and focus on the individual words. That can just really help for it to soak up, make it transform your hearts and your minds. So, friends, I'm going to pray for us now. Would you join in me? And, Lord, the the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. And, Father, I pray that we can be people who are characterized by that. Say, to just have Scripture the forefront of our thoughts. Have Scripture just part of who we are so that we are just people that, Wise and discerning people that just reflect the goodness of Jesus Christ in our lives. So, I just pray for um, your spiritual protection that as a church we go through this, we encourage ourselves in Bible reading, in memorization, in journaling, just reading scripture out loud. I just pray that Lord, in doing that, we just build those solid foundations